0: Hey there, I'm Brad. I'm about to win the Tuesday Night Bowling League Championship. I'm also a highway worker for the Ohio Department of Transportation. When you move over and slow down, you're making sure I can bowl the winning strike with my buddies. Remember, they're not just roadside workers. Thank you for moving over and slowing down. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Alright, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And hey, you know what last Friday was? July 6th to be exact. It was 36 years ago on July 6, 1982, that Metallica recorded the No Life to Leather demo at a little studio in Tustin, California called Chateau East Studio. Yeah, one of the most famous bands in rock and roll history released their uh, very first little EP 36 years ago. Uh, so Tustin, California is in Orange County, California, not far from Disneyland. And what's so special about this demo is that it features original Metallica bassist Ron McGovney. And what's so special about tonight's talk is Jericho is it features original Metallica bassist Robin Govny. Uh No life to the other Hit the lights, the mechanics, motor breath, seek and destroy, meta militia, jump in the fire, and of course Phantom Lord. And to mark this killer anniversary... Once again, I've got the original OG Metallica bass player Ron McGovney on the show. Today, he was in Metallica with James and Lars and Dave Mustaine all the way back in 1982. And Ron's got some incredible stories about how Metallica got started, from how he and James Hetfield met and became friends in junior high, to starting up their own bands in Ron's parents' garage, to meeting Lars Ulrich, to Dave Mustaine joining his guitar player. He's got stories about their first gigs right down to how Ron got them on the bill at the Whiskey, a go-go with Saxon. It was Metallica's second show ever. Ron's also talking about being replaced in Metallica by the uh, amazing Cliff Burton, how that all really went down and why Ron wasn't at all surprised when it happened. Uh, he's a great guy. He's a nice guy. Ron McGovney coming up next and also coming up very soon is Fozzie's Summer Tour. We're starting Thursday, tomorrow, July 12th at the Rock USA Festival in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And we're doing a bunch of other festivals dates before the official Judas Rising tour gets started up again in August with Adelita's Way, The Stir, and Stone Broken. Joining us this time around, FozzyRock.com for all ticket information and all VIP meet and greet information. We've got one of the greatest meet and greets you are ever going to see. We do a mini set for you, a little concert for you uh, uh, VIPers. We take pictures, we sign stuff, we hang out. So come see us before the show at one of the best VIP meet and greets of the business. Go to FozzyRock.com for all that information. And like I say, we're doing a little round of festivals this week, starting on the 12th and Oshkosh. Then on the 13th, we go to the Kadat Rock Festival in Kadat, Wisconsin. 14th is the Peoria Riverfront in Peoria, Illinois. 15th, Belvedere, Illinois at the Apollo Theater. Then we uh, pack it up and head over the pond to Europe, starting at the Pheasant Festival in Hungary on July 26th. and we're going to Prague. Uh, the Rock of Ages Festival, Zurich, Rock Planet in Italy, Slovenia, Wacken in Germany, Berlin, Bochum, Schaffenberg, Spain, Alcatraz Festival in Belgium. Then we finish it up at Bloodstock uh, in England. Then we come back to the States for the start of the Judas Rising Tour, Friday, August 24th in Atlanta, Georgia, at Smith's Old Bar. We're hitting Huntsville, Clarksville, Little Rock, Joliet, Omaha, Des Moines, Minneapolis, Fargo, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, Columbus, Cincinnati, Louisville, Charlotte, Jacksonville, North Carolina, Huntington, Greenville, South Carolina, Savannah, uh, Lake Buena Vista at the House of Blues, Tampa, Florida, and Fort Lauderdale, Florida. All that information, once again, on And We're also doing the Rock Allegiance show in Camden, New Jersey, October 6th. So go check that out and stay with us here uh, as we check out the early Metallica and original Metallica bass player, Ron McGovney right here on Talk is Jericho. All right, so um, we're here in uh, Winston-Salem in, uh, in, uh, in, on, the, on the back of the bus. And I'm here with Ron McGovney, who uh, I met at the Metallica show in Atlanta. And of course, you are the original bass player from Metallica. Do you go see the band quite a bit? It was cool to see you there. Whenever they come around, you know they'll call
1: me and you know tell me what's going on, and you know I'll go see them and stuff. But you know it's not like it was back in the '80s. You know when we used to you know go hang out and drink and party. You know it's it's more of a family Mm -hmm. you know it's a family um vibe now you know but
0: but that is kind of how it is now like you said just the way they tour you know two weeks on two week off but they're also very like metallica family oriented and obviously you're you're a part of that so it's cool that they still kind of include you in those things
1: well i if you if you want to look at metallica as a family have you ever seen the uh, Chevy Chase uh, vacation movies? Mm-hmm. I'm the cousin Eddie of Metallica. You know, I kind of show up. It's like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Mm, here he is, you know. yeah. Well, not really like that. Yeah. but It's just, you know, I kind of feel that way sometimes, you know people come up and meet me oh oh you're the guy before cliff right yeah you know so it's kind of like that but
0: in in a way it's almost like um like pete best with the beatles
1: exactly yeah right that's kind of like the
0: the, the guy who was in the band yeah but
1: i think my role back then was a lot easier than let's say jason or rob having to live up to cliff Mm. now you know there's i mean jason went through that whole thing rob goes through it all the time and I never had to have that because you know i was i was before that but, uh, but you you
0: were replaced by cliff burton right which right. is nothing no shame no in that <laughs> but that was
1: not i mean my role in metallica was never to be the full-time i mean full-time yes but i mean long-term bass mm. player because james and i were you know we were friends from junior high school and you know, we had a band after, you know, after we graduated, and you know, we started in my garage. And what was and it called? It was called Leather Charm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we played a lot of covers. We played Iron Maiden covers. We played uh, um, "Hollywood Tease" by the band Girl from Phil Collin mm-hmm.
0: that band. Uh, Which is but, funny to see. Think of Hetfield playing yeah, a Girl song. Oh yeah,
1: we played <laughs> "Slick Black Cadillac" from the original Quiet Riot. Um, just a lot, of, and, and we have. I mean, we're kind of glam. It was just uh-huh. kind of kind of funny. If you look at the original, uh, the very first Metallica pictures, James is still wearing his leather charm stuff with the little, you know, wristband and the and the tiger striped shirt and <laughs> stuff like that. He had never he never wants to look at that stuff.
0: But right. you know, well, let's talk about this. So, so this is in California. Was it yeah. Downey or yeah, it
1: was in. Uh, James and I went to high school, and junior high school in Downey. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in a city next door called Norwalk, and, but I did go to Downey schools. So okay. we start we started the band in, my parents had uh, four houses all in the same property, and what happened was there was a um, freeway that was gonna take our houses and be, our houses were gonna be demolished. So once they started moving everyone out, I asked my mom. I said, "Well, can we just have the middle house, just to practice, you know, band stuff?" She said, "You guys can live there until they kick us out, basically." Mm-hmm. So we took the garage and we turned it into quote unquote the studio, and uh, that's where we started Leather Charm.
0: How did you meet James?
1: Um, junior high school, you know. So
0: what was it? That you just a kid in your class, um, or yeah, he was... just
1: kid in the class. But you know, I didn't really know him that well in junior high school, but. When we went when we transferred or transitioned from junior high to high school kind of the kids from the junior highs they kind of know each other and we just kind of uh, everybody left and we were just kind of the guys there that we all kind of knew each other right you know so it was james and a few other friends and stuff and and that that would be the uh fall of 1977 wow so a long time so ago. yeah so you're looking 40 years ago mm-hmm. here at this point but uh i had a elvis presley had just died over the summer and i had a big elvis sticker on my notebook and he just made fun of that left and right you know he's like hey here's the guy with the here's the guy with the elvis sticker you know and so <laughs> but you know, i'm like yeah he's had aerosmith or whatever on his peachy and i was like yeah well aerosmith sucks and we just go back and forth but you know, we we both like music now mm-hmm. we just kind of you know we, we bonded in that what in music, was what was,
0: what was he like was he a shy kid or was he oh yeah, yeah. I
1: mean he was he was real shy never never uh, the James Hetfield that people know now you you would never think it was the same guy hmm. um very shy um withdrawn um but uh he was a music kid I mean he he knew music and you could talk to him about anything about anything in music and he would talk about this band that band and i would bring up this band or because i was into i was more into like singer songwriters like jim croce and neil young and mm-hmm. things like that and he'd be like no man you got to listen to ufo and you know you got to listen to scorpions and this i'm like oh, okay so he kind of got me into the heavier you know stuff like that
0: were you playing at that point in time
1: i i had a when i was in high school i got a les paul and i had taken guitar lessons when i was about 12 to like 14 so kind of classical stuff so i was playing guitar and so james was in a uh, cover band called obsession when we were in high school and they played like communication breakdown uh, heaven and hell you know just the standard covers of the day you know mm-hmm. and um he's like you know i'm, I'm tired of doing this i want to do my own thing i want to write my own music you know he said i already play guitar why, why don't you play bass i'm like bass what <laughs> huh i don't i don't know anything about playing bass he's like well let's just go down to the music center until so downey music center was downtown downey so we went down there and i picked it up i'm like i don't know what the hell to do with this you know really because I never really paid attention to bass players, I kind of always looked at the guitar player. and never really listened mm-hmm. at, as a bass player. So he said, "Well, here, we'll just do this." So we practiced in my room for a while, and uh, so he kind of just taught me, you know, what to do and stuff. And that's how we kind of got our. Got Did you going. have a feel for it? I mean, you must I, I kind of, I kind, it kind of never really came to me, to tell you the truth, because I always thought of guitar players i always thought of michael schenker you know and matthias jabs and i was thinking you know lead guitar players i was thinking rudolph schenker is you know i was never if you listen to someone like rush or something you know they're they're following the drums you know and i I always wanted to follow the guitar player you Mm -hmm. know and that's not i'm unless you're in acdc or something that's really not you know what they what was he wanted right you know so he kind of got me away from that and, you know, show me, you know, what I should do.
0: So when you, know, you played with Leather Charm, when you guys eventually formed that band, was it mostly original stuff?
1: It was. We came, we had one original song, a song called Hit the Lights. Mm. And uh, the other songs were all copies, and that whole, that whole band just kind of folded. And, um, Did you play gigs at all? We never played. Okay. We never got out of the garage with Leather Charm. Mm-hmm. But um, and then I said, and James said, you know, I want to, I want to just be a singer, you know, and I want to, I want to find a, a band, you know. We're he's living with me at this point, we, you know, in our house, and um, he said, I I just want to be a singer, you know, I want to find a band, you know. I was like, okay, so I just kind of backed out and did my own thing, and he started started auditioning people and. One day he brings over Lars, a guy that I had met before one time. I had met him at a Judas Priest concert. Uh, James James brought him out of the crowd, and they had no shirts on, and they'd been up, like, eh, uh, like sweating their asses off, and they stunk like crap. And I was like, "Oh, this is Lars." I'm like, "Oh, okay."
0: You, know? you just ran into Lars, like a, yeah, just like yeah, yeah, yeah it's like
1: yeah, okay, Lars. Yeah, that's for James knew him apparently, but mm. I didn't know him. Right. So he brought him. He brought him over and and uh, he said, "Well, he's a drummer." I'm like, oh, "Okay, cool." So he brought over his drum set eventually, and so he started playing. And I was like, uh, "I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not. I don't. I don't think he's too good." Because Lars
0: basically just decided he wanted to form a band. Yeah, and just put it, together a it drum seemed kit.
1: to me that he he had just, just spur of the moment decided to be a drummer. Right. But uh, but this kid, he was from Europe and he knew all these bands. And he and he. Hung out with all these bands in Europe and stuff, and he's like, Motorhead this and Diamond had this. So I'm like, wow, well, it's cool, but you know, I don't think he's that good on drums, you know. So I just kind of backed out of it, and they tried to, they tried out other bass players and guitar players and stuff to get this band going. And uh, one time they, they got a call. We got a call at my house, and I answered the phone, and it was a guitar player, and he says. He says, "Yeah, I got four Marshall stacks. I got 17 guitars." And I'm like, "Whoa, huh? Okay." I said, "James or Lars, you you guys take this call because this guy's head's not going to fit through the door." <laughs> and that was Dave Mustaine. And Dave, and Dave Mustaine <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah, huh? and Dave Mustaine came in and he plugged in and he was just warming up and it was like, "Holy crap, this guy's good. Mm. This guy's really good." And they had another bass player there for about a week or two, and this guy couldn't keep up and I was just sitting there with nothing to do and they are playing Hit the Lights and he said, Ron, show them how to play Hit the Lights. So I took his bass and I'm like, so we played Hit the Lights and they kinda, well, why don't you go home? Hey, will you be in the band to <laughs> me? I said, okay, I guess I got nothing else to do. So, <laughs> right. But it, see, like I said, it was never really, I never really tried out to be in the band and it was, it was just something sure. that, you know, I was there and it was, available and it was never going to be a long-term thing until they found something somebody
0: you know that for, fit for, that vibe better. right, right. Well, what did you think about the music because I mean you can hit the lights if you're talking about 1981 or 82 it's so fast like now it's just yeah. you know everybody plays fast so you just right. take it as it is but at that time mm-hmm. nobody was playing music like that right what did you guys what did you think about that I I thought
1: it was you know a I'd heard Motorhead and you know stuff like that. I thought it was you know about that speed and stuff, but the the riffs were a lot more intricate. You know, there's a lot more changes and everything. And then and then Dave brought in um, Jump at the Fire, you know, and that brought a whole different um, vibe to the whole thing. And I thought, well, you know, this is kind of pretty good, but we only had two songs. And we wanted to start gigging and stuff and we were practising gigging but so we started playing all these Diamond Head songs.
0: Was that Lars's idea?
1: Yeah. You know, we started playing in, and and Diamond Head to me was kind of a Led Zeppelin ish, you know, kind of long songs that kinda of went on and went on and on. It was a Led Zeppelin. And then we played um, Blitzkrieg and Killing Time and other some other songs that you know come we kind of dropped away but mm-hmm. uh you know we had enough so with the i mean especially with the diamond song being so long we had enough for material a, yeah. for a show you know
0: net credit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or Lending Partner Banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. What was the dynamic like in the band at that point in time when you guys were jamming?
1: it was pretty good actually at that point it was it was uh you know we were practicing every day three four hours a day and you know everybody was getting good i remember we would Turn off our lights in the studio just so we could know what it'd be like if the lights went out. We could still play when the lights went out, you know, (laughs) just in case, yeah, just in case 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 there's a power outage, yeah, there's a yeah, like the lights went out. Can we still play the songs? Yeah, we turned the lights out.
0: Was was uh, like was Dave the leader, Lars the leader, James the leader, everybody just kind of Um, throwing their own two cents in?
1: Well, it was Dave and James, kind of you know, they they worked together pretty good, but. Lars is the um, the master of putting the riff together in the correct order, mm. uh, you know, and and he can he he belts out riffs with his with his voice, mm. and hey, play this, you know, whatever, and somebody will copy it and they'll say, yeah, we'll take that and we'll put it here or we'll put it here, and so we had they had all these riff tapes, of mm. all these riffs, you know, this riff and that riff, and nothing ever, you know if you put it together right if you listen to it it wouldn't make any sense but if you go and pick and choose ones you know to put in certain songs it all made sense but and we actually took some of our old leather charm songs took those apart took some of the riffs and made a song called no remorse Hmm. and so so no no remorse if you listen to it it's like uh there was a song called Handsome Ransom that we had the <laughs> dan and Dent and Dent and you know that dan-o, that's dan-o, the Handsome Yeah that's yeah that's Handsome Ransom <laughs> and then uh, we had a song called Let's Go Rock and Roll and it went. And that was, that was like. Gotcha. Rockin yeah. So we, we kind of took other songs. And took them apart. piece them together.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Because when I had Lars on this show. And he was talking about how. they've, He's always. They've always written songs that way. Even mm-hmm. up to. to um uh, uh Not Death Magnetic. Hardwired. Mm-hmm. And that Lars puts this. And changed this. And it's interesting that you say that. Because that's exactly what Lars said. We've always done it this way. Yeah. Cut and paste. And Frankenstein them together. Right. To see which songs work best. Exactly. In these different orders. You know. So tell us about when. Uh. When you guys are jamming and you got all this material. What, what's the first gig like? How was how the first gig?
1: first gig was uh, March 14th of 1982 <laughs> at a little club called Radio City in Anaheim, California And right now it was in a little strip mall and next door was a club called Woodstock So we ended up playing Woodstock later, but Radio City was our first gig and you know we go hit the lights bum pa and then day breaks two strings on his guitar no other backup so he's sitting there changing the strings and we're just sitting there like what we you had to do? stop yeah we stopped it's like what are we going to do now we're just going to sit here and wait set sit there and wait for him to tune it back up how many uh, people were there ah uh, maybe about 40 50 oh, something like bad. that yeah, yeah but i mean most of them were you know comps from us you right. know they're all friends, our friends yeah. yeah how did you get that gig uh i think we just went over there with a demo and they just put us in there in mm. any slot it was it was like probably a monday sure, night sure, you know sure. something yeah, yeah. like that <laughs> but yeah that was it wasn't really good so when
0: dave fixed the strings then then yeah. you started over again yeah
1: we started over again we hit the lights and uh we were playing sucking my love from diamond the head other we were diamonds. playing that at Playing that at that point, you know that that was the first time we ended up dropping because mm. it, you know, we had too many songs. We started every time we'd get a, a new song, we'd drop a Diamond Head song, we'd get a new song, drop a Diamond Head yeah. song. You know, <laughs> play mostly. But they kept what well, we kept. Am I evil? For some reason, we we kept on playing that. People wanted to hear that one. Mm. So it's a kept, long one too. Yeah, we kept that one.
0: So then, when you do the Radio City gig, and it, it, is, does it start becoming more frequent that you're doing shows? And yeah. is there starting to be a buzz about the band? Or? Yeah, it,
1: it started it, it, we played that gig and we were supposed to play the um, Woodstock on the 26th which is a couple weeks later and um, in the meantime within those couple of weeks um, we found out that Saxon was going to be playing at the Whiskey Go-Go on their denim and leather tour so we're like man we got to get on that so what I so we had cut a not really well we put out a four track um demo i'm trying to think of what songs i'm thinking it's blitzkrieg killing time um hit the lights and jump of the fire so this wasn't the famous no no, this is the first song demo just to give to people to see you know how what people thought Mm -hmm. so i said you know what i'm going to go down to the whiskey i'm going to try to get us on that bill so about four o'clock in the afternoon on a I'm standing out there in Hollywood on the corner, you know, Vine and uh, Sunset and Vine, and there's a Whiskey Go Go, and I'm standing there with this cassette in my hand, and I'm looking up. What the hell am I going to do now? How am I going to get in here? Just at that point, I look up the hill, and here comes Tommy and Nikki from Motley Crue. And I had known them because I followed Motley Crue around. I mean, I, I went and saw their, their shows all the time, and they knew me. I took pictures at that time. I used to take pictures for Motley Crue. And I was standing there, and they come down down the hill. First thing he asked me, he said, hey, Ron. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you got any toot? I'm like, oh, n- uh, no. <laughs> Don't do that, man. AK like, well, cocaine, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm like, uh, they said, "Well, what are you doing here?" I said, "Well, I'm trying to get my band in on to play that Saxon show." I said, "Yeah, we heard about that show, but we're too big now; we can't really play that show. But I'll I'll, I'll get you in to talk to the girl up there, you know." So took me in, went up there, gave her a demo tape, and she called me back a few days later mm-hmm. and said, "Yeah, you guys are on with Saxon on the 27th and the 26th. we were supposed to play at." the Woodstock, but Saxon was playing the 26th and 27th. So we, we go down, on the 26th we go down to the Woodstock to play, we're, we're like five o'clock in the afternoon, and they wanted to put us on at like after midnight or something, we said screw it, we're not playing, we're going back to Hollywood, we're gonna go see Saxon. <laughs> so we went back and saw Saxon, and then we played the next night, we played two shows with Saxon. So actually our, our second show, was opening for Saxon which at was, the whiskey at
0: the whiskey which was pretty that's pretty, pretty cool. cool yeah i was i was that gig
1: that was that was uh pretty awesome ozzy was there uh randy Rhodes had just been killed mm. and ozzy was sitting in the back over there kind of you know but uh he was sitting there and the guys from motley crew showed up i remember standing standing there between songs i saw nikki six walk up up the stairs he's like gives me like a high thought high you know a, a the shock yeah, yeah yeah the yeah, aloha sign yeah. it's yeah. like yeah it's like yeah He was my hero <laughs> mickey six is watching me play and i'm usually watching him
0: play <laughs> right, right, you know? right right what was the scene like back then you mentioned motley cruz what other bands did you follow back then
1: oh well rat was always playing they played you know all over the place armored saint was playing all the time
0: Everyone talks. Um, Armored Saint was like the band that everyone loved back at that point.
1: Yeah, everybody loved Armored Saint. Mm-hmm. I mean, their whole uh, post, you know, apocalyptic, you know, Road Warrior kind of thing was cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we got along with those guys really good. You know, and the,
0: uh, the Sunset
1: Strip was the place to be. Oh, it was. Yeah, but you see, we I lived in the um, suburbs, so. It was kind of a, a place you could go to, but you could leave and go back to your normal life. You didn't have to li- live there and be in it all the time. So, But uh, Rat was always there. They'd call us up. Rat would call us up. Hey, you want to play with it? We end up playing with Rat like four or five times.
0: Metallica. and Rat.
1: Yeah, yeah. They would call us up. They'd say, hey, you want to open for us on blah, blah, blah? And we'd say, sure. And then we find out later that they thought that we sucked so bad that it made them... <laughs> Sounds so much better. <laughs> so, you know, that's the way it was back sure, then. Sure, sure. Was I very... mean, yeah, every, everybody, it was a glam, you know, thing. And then we get up there and we just look like the Ramones, you know, getting up there in jeans and T-shirts. And they're like, what the hell is this? This
0: is fit, yeah. Yeah. How about the name? What, what, what was it like when you guys were trying to think of a name?
1: Um, I remember other names going around like Thunder <laughs> and red vet and red vet yeah red Vet. like
0: you know <laughs> what red thunder is pretty yeah. awesome too <laughs>
1: yeah but uh i don't know. oh yeah that's how he's st- lars stole that name from ron quintana from san francisco he was doing that um fanzine and he's trying to think of a name for the fanzine and and uh he told Lars and he's he's like, No, Metallica that he wanted to call the fanzine Metallica and Lars is like, No, that's a bad name. Call it heavy metal mania.
0: So Lars steals Metallica and then But once again though, like you know, Metallica is such a you know iconic name, but when you mm-hmm. first heard it it was right. kinda weird. Yeah. You know, it it, it, it would you first were you thinking like what the right. hell is a Metallica?
1: Yeah, I know. I had a One of the original Metallica shirts, and I was in, um, I was at the Troubadour bar or something, and David Lee Ross sits next to me, and he's like, what's up, man? You know, now David Lee Ross. But... (laughs) I see my shirt. He says Metallica. He's like, "What is that, man?" I'm like, "It's our band." He's like, "Wow, cool, man!" So it's like, "Yeah, David Lee really Roth, those who Metallica is now." How <laughs> he awesome liked it is too. He gave us the thumbs yeah. up.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so as the band, can teach "How many shows are you doing at this point in time? Is it still very sporadic, or did you ever put together a tour?"
1: Um, it was pretty much every week or every other week. We were getting, you know, we were playing Orange County clubs, um, the LA clubs and stuff, and then. Uh, later in the fall, we, we got invited to play, um, shows in, um, San Francisco. And that's where things kind of got crazy. In what way? Um, because we, you know, we were used to getting off stage and, or having a, ending a song and you can hear the the ice in people's drinks. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like crickets and frogs, you know, down in L.A. But we go to San Francisco, and there's people that actually know who we are. You know, this was after we had released No Life To Leather, and people are standing around the corner, you know, waiting to see us. I'm like, I'm driving my dad's 1969 Ford Ranger pickup truck with a camper shell, and these guys are in the back hauling a, you know, trailer full of equipment and just not used to this at all you know we're just used to being shunned right and then all of a sudden you've got people actually want to come see you which was strange yeah
0: yeah that was what was it like I mean as far as like the the party scene you guys go and drink after every show or
1: oh we drank during the show during the show yeah it was you know liquid courage pretty much you (laughs) know we had we had to I remember I remember drinking a we we drank peppermint schnapps. I, I'll tell you why we drank peppermint schnapps. Because when I was about 16, I was looking around in my father's garage and I found this open bottle of peppermint schnapps. I'm like, "What's this?" So I tried it. am like, "Heck yeah!" <laughs> so we started. All of us started drinking that stuff. But we get the half pints, and we put them in our back pockets, and we just down one. And I remember being, uh, hey, I had to go. Down these stairs to get on stage at the whiskey, and it was pitch black. And I'm like, I fell, I fell, and I thought, Oh my God, I'm gonna break this bass in half. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was.
0: Yeah, to get on the stage, yeah, you gotta walk down the yeah, stairs. Walk these little stairs, yeah.
1: and it was pitch black. And I'm carrying this bass; it's like Spinal Tap, you know, hello Cleveland kind <laughs> of thing. And you go down there, and I trip, and I'm like, Oh
0: crap! <laughs> Bam!
1: You know? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we did that a lot. We had beer on stage, we had pictures of someone obviously we weren't old enough to drink but people would buy us beer
0: you know and uh, was everybody still cool at that point in time within the band or they got a little bit loaded everybody treated each other nice yeah
1: everybody was okay but um you know well Lars and James you know we we all kind of you know we all got along and we drank but we didn't get completely ripped out of our mind but you know Dave he would sometimes get just so loaded that he was out of control and it was it wasn't good whenever Mm. he whenever he got like that it wasn't
0: Did you like is there a story he poured beer on your base once or something like that
1: yeah um yeah he he decided he didn't like me so (laughs) um i wasn't there my friend let him into the house and he just took he just took a beer and just poured it right down and into my base and and
0: why did he decide he didn't like you he I
1: don't know, because I guess, you know, those guys kind of, they kind of looked up to him. But I'd tell him, hey, man, you're acting like an asshole. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I would, t- I, would, I would tell him, look, you know, you're acting like an asshole. Don't come over to my house. Don't destroy my stuff. You know, I would tell him. But those guys, they they wouldn't say anything to him. Mm. So he didn't like... Because he was such a good player. Yeah. He didn't like that I, you know, I told him what I thought. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so he decided he didn't like me and... You know, there was a time when he was... uh, Well, he's already said this in in interviews anyway, that he was dealing weed. Mm -hmm. And uh, he brought it over to my house. He brought it because he was afraid to leave it at his house because somebody might steal it from him. So he'd bring it to my house. I'm like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. But so he got these pit bulls. And he lived in an apartment. I don't know what he's going to do with pit bulls in an apartment. But he brought them over to... Um, my house and I was in the shower and James came to the door and he had these pit bulls and James said you can't have those dogs here they started jumping on scratching my car and he said hey you're scratching Ron's car and Dave apparently he'd been drinking or something all day but he got pissed and I heard a commotion I jumped out of the shower I'm in a towel and they were nose to nose and then all of a sudden uh dave punches james right in the face and i was like what the hell and i jumped on dave his back and he threw me over into a coffee table wow and uh then we we said you're out of the band we kicked him out we kicked him out of the band right there so he loaded up all his stuff and took off next day he came back can i be back in the band
0: Okay, well, I guess we don't have another guitar player, so yeah, you're back in the band. So. Did you uh, play on the Metal Master uh, Metal Massacre on, on, the
1: on the very first uh, Metal Massacre? Um, yeah, that the very first pressing with Lloyd Grant and stuff. Um, James played bass on gotcha. that because I wasn't I wasn't there for mm-hmm. some reason. But uh, on this the second pressing is basically the one from um, No Life to Leather. It's the same one from No Life to Leather.
0: So No Life to Leather had Hit the Lights, No Remorse. What else was on it?
1: Uh, No, I don't see. I'm not sure it was on it, yeah. Um, It had uh, Hit the Lights, um, Jump in the Fire, and Motor Breath, Mechanics, Dave's, uh, you know, Dave's song.
0: Which later became Four Horsemen.
1: Right. Um, Metal Militia. Mm -hmm. And... Oh, my gosh. I know there's seven songs on there. Oh, because there's
0: quite, quite a few of the songs yeah, that it, ended up on Kill em All. Yeah, the, the only line.
1: songs that's not on there that's on Kill em All is Whiplash and No Remorse.
0: So Phantom Lord is on it? Phantom Lord's on yeah, yeah, it, yeah. that's yeah. um, right. Seek and Destroy? Seek and Destroy, yeah. Mm. They're all on so it. So what are you thinking of these songs as you guys are, are creating? Like, is Lars and James writing them and then saying, mm-hmm. okay, here's, here's how right. it goes? Right, Learn yeah.
1: Yeah, see, I was the only one that had a full-time job. You so I, I was my parents had a um a truck repair mm. um company and as a matter of fact james's father had a, a trucking company across the street wow so they knew each other from business mm. and um so i was the only one with a full-time job and they would sit there all day and create music and then i get home from work and they say here you know here's how it goes you know play this and I'd, you know, I'd play the song, and then we'd practice for a few hours. And the next couple of days, they'd add another song, and you know, that's the way it kind of
0: worked. You know, mm-hmm. when you went to San Francisco, were you hanging out with the bands up there?
1: Not really. We didn't really know
0: anybody up there. Mm-hmm. You know, we
1: didn't, we didn't know any of the.
0: Any I guess of the, the bands. Exodus and those type of bands didn't come till later. Yeah.
1: Well, Exodus they showed up um to they they got on the bill with us they opened up for us as a matter of fact when i was in the band and i remember kirk hammett he was in exodus and he came up to me and he said man i love metallica you know you guys are awesome mm-hmm. i said man i watched your band you guys are awesome too you know little did i know, yeah. you, know you know right yeah but, you know. it's
0: interesting that um you know, there was a band like Exodus playing that type of heavy music, mm-hmm. the same way that Metallica was. It was kind of the scene was spreading at that point in time, right? right? Yeah. Right. So, what? When did you start? I guess did, when did you hear about Cliff Burton, and when did that start going? On? I mean, were you Metallica for for a lot longer? Was there more stuff that happened, or
1: um, that happened in? I want to say in the fall, sometime in um, 1982, um, his band Trauma came to play at the Troubadour. And we didn't, Brian Slagle from Metal Blade had, had invited us to go watch them. So we were all sitting there watching them. And I'm like, well, you know, kind of music's not my kind of yes. thing. Yeah, my, not my kind of thing. But all of a sudden, you know, it was me and James and Lars. And all of a sudden, Cliff starts going into this solo. And they're just like looking at him with their eyes are wide open. And I'm looking at them. <laughs> and they're looking at him, and I'm looking. I'm like, "Yep, this is the guy. This is it. This is it." I mean, so I kind of knew right at that point. I'm like, "Yep, this is the guy they're going to go after." You I can, feel I that, could man. tell. Yeah. I mean, he was just a thrashing, you know, head banging, crazy, awesome bass player. What did you think of him? I thought he was awesome too. He's doing mm-hmm. stuff that I can never do. You know, right? So, as soon as I saw their reaction. You know, I kind of knew. I kind of knew. And, you know, I played several gigs after that with them. And um, they never actually told me, hey, you know, we're going to get, you know, we want to get this guy. You know, I kind of heard through the grapevine. and But I I already knew who it was going to be. And I remember one time playing in San Francisco and Cliff was there watching us. And he was standing there out in the rain and I asked him, "Hey, I'm like, hey man, you do you want to um, do you want to ride?" Because he was standing, there and he was soaking wet. He was like, nah, nah, I'm cool, you know. But you know, I was going to give him a ride back to wherever you want to go. But you know, I kind of I knew he was going to be the guy. Mm-hmm, so, but that was never my role. There well, was that's that, what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, it was never my role to to be the long term. Did you know player. that at the time? I knew that. I knew that. But you know, you kind of put it in the back of your mind because you keep playing shows and mm-hmm. you're learning new songs and and You're playing, and you know, you're playing all these gigs, you're going to San Francisco, and then you know, you see him play, and I'm like, Well, oh yeah, I'm not gonna be, yeah, that, that wasn't what I was gonna do, you know. And you
0: say that because your, your skill level wasn't at the same as well, theirs, or your desire yeah. or passion, or
1: yeah, I guess, well, kind of both, I mm-hmm. guess, because um, I wanted to be a motorcycle mechanic, I wanted to ride dirt bikes in the desert all the time, that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to do, you know. I mean, I uh, I remember going i'd be out at glamis out at out in the sand dunes and i'd be riding i'm like man it's so good to get away from those guys you know <laughs> this is what i want to do i want to be out on the road you know and, you know i want to be away from that i want to uh, i don't want the fighting i don't want the arguing i don't want the bickering you know is this is just like a relationship mm-hmm. you know i mean it could be male female. It's the same kind of thing it's like i don't need this i don't want right. to be in that But, uh, you know, I didn't never, um, my whole thing was never to be a rock star. It was never my intention. I was Mm. just helping James out. All I I wanted to do, really, was get in Leather Charm, play some backyard parties, drink some kegs, you know. Pick up some chicks. Yeah, that's it. That's all, that that was all I wanted to do. But then when we got to play Hollywood clubs, I'm like, wow, I get to play... Know, places I've seen other bands, you know, mm. I see Motley Crue up there and I'm I'm on the same stage You know as the doors played or right. you know and stuff like that. Place, yeah, yeah, I thought looked at, at more of a historical kind of well, a it thing. still
0: goes to this day The first time we played the whiskey was the same thing and we've been fortunate yeah. to play three or four times since But it's like it's the freaking whiskey man. Yeah. I mean it's yeah. one of those places. I know. You know Yeah, did you mostly just tour in California? Did you guys ever yeah. do any road trips outside? No, of California?
1: we no, we just did San Francisco Gotcha. Orange County, when you went to San Francisco, God.
0: you was in your dad's Yeah, and the 69 thing.
1: 69 Ford
0: pickup. And, Did you ever have any uh, adventures on the road?
1: Oh, uh, well, I remember driving up there and uh that old that old pickup truck had two fuel tanks. And it's not like nowadays where you just push a button to switch a fuel tank. It was back then it was an actual manual valve. So I reached down to switch it to the second uh tank and the, it broke off in my hand. And we like we had half a tank I'm like oh my god we're in the middle of nowhere I hope we can find somewhere finally we found a gas station hung out until it opened up in the morning oh. but yeah but we made it to San Francisco and but I remember coming back one time and somehow they got a hold of a cuz it was me and my other friend Dave and we he was our drum roadie and we were in the front and James, Lars, and Dave were in the back, and somehow they got a gallon of vodka from somewhere. And we're going down Interstate Five, and they'd be bashing on the window. I gotta pee! I gotta pee! Pull over! And then they do all kinds of weird crap on the side of the road. Lars went out and laid out in the on the middle of the road and on the Interstate Five. I was like, oh my god! I, you know, and I had a lot of uh, responsibility. I mean, I was borrowing my parents'. Um, right. car. Um, I rented a trailer. You know, I said, I told the guy I'd run the trailer from, I said, I'm only going to haul some furniture within like 20 miles. I didn't tell him I was taking it all the way to San Francisco, <laughs> you know? And I, so I had a lot of responsibility, you know, and that they didn't have to feel, you know? Mm. So I'm like, it's kind of like an, uh,
0: you're almost a designated driver.
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of like an um, animal house with flounder. And he's like trying to save, all this they're trying to break all that stuff he's like no 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 don't break all it's like that yeah Yeah, don't yeah i mean they would take um pool balls i had this big um eddie from iron maiden a big cutout i got from a record store and it was up on the wall a poster yeah well it wasn't it was a cardboard Cardboard cutout cutout, gotcha yeah and they they take well i had a pool we had a pool table and they take the pool balls and throw it and just crash the pull balls into the
0: walls, you know, when they got drunk and stuff. I'm like,
1: no, don't do that. This is my house. You can't do that kind of stuff, you know?
0: (laughs) So, yeah, because you always hear the legendary Alcoholica and just just drinking and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. But I think it got worse after I left, Mm -hmm. you know, whenever they went up there.
0: Right, right, right. So when did you finally get, they finally tell you that Cliff was in and that you were not in anymore?
1: Actually, uh, that never really happened. um, After the whole um, base thing. Actually, one of them
0: the the bass
1: on oh, the, the on the the beer, the beer on the bass yeah. yeah that was kind of the last straw mm. but before that we were we played a show in long beach and i had just gotten that washburn um bass and i had a ibanez roadster bass as a my old one as a backup and that bass disappeared it it never hmm. it disappeared from the show and find out later that you know somebody might have had it stolen for money mm. so um that was a big deal um things were disappearing from my house and then that whole beer thing on my base i was like you know you guys just need to get out uh, I'm, I'm, i'm done with it like mm-hmm. i i mean this didn't have to go down like this right, you know right,
0: right. they're trying to push you out or
1: something yeah it didn't have to go down like this all you had to do was say hey we found a guy you know yeah I, and i would I was I would have been yeah awesome great mm-hmm. you know good luck to you but it didn't go down that way and I'm sorry it didn't but did you, you ever know,
0: talk to James about it and say what's up dude
1: not until they came around back when after Dave got booted and and Kirk was in the band they came around in '83 and I called I found out their phone number in San Francisco and I called them and I said you guys are playing the Country Club out here. In l.a you guys want to stay at my house and at that point i only had like a couple months before they were going to tear the house down right i said i don't care what you do to it (laughs) so they all showed up so they showed up and stayed at my house and you know kind of trashed the place and i didn't really care (laughs) so uh yeah we talked about that you know everybody was there cliff was there you know the whole band even dave mustaine showed up and i wish i would have got a picture with all of us together Mm -hmm. but i could never get dave and kirk in the same room wow yeah i see at that point so So
0: dave even showed up dave showed up at that party yeah yeah i had a
1: party kind of like when they were you know just as they got there before they played the country club and dave showed up and i was like man this would be a great picture you like the band and then me and then dave and well i never could get them, them to take a picture together. So
0: have you ever I mean, I'm sure you've spoken to Mustaine since then. Or oh, yeah. Ever, yeah
1: Yeah, I, I've talked to him and you know Megadeth plays lo like Charlotte or something, you know He'll he'll call me up. Yeah, why don't you come down and watch this? You know, so mm-hmm. yeah I,
0: It's kind of made made peace with them after yeah oh, it's yeah. Amazing when you're young the stupid shit that you yeah. do. Yeah, right?
1: yeah, you know when you're young, you know Everything is such a big deal, but when you look back at it, you know 35 years later, it's like man, that was nothing compared to what's coming up, you mm-hmm. know
0: how did you feel though when uh when i think mean, you're basically out of the band like you mentioned that you wish it would have gone down differently but right. did you miss playing bass did you continue playing bass
1: uh, i um actually i sold most um, almost all my stuff at that point and i didn't get back into playing until my friend katon depended from hyrax mm-hmm. he he was a friend of ours and he asked me he said man you want to i'm he said i'm kind of at a hiatus with those guys who want to get a band together so i said yeah man was, you know we'll play some acdc covers or something like that but then it you know it was a band called phantasm and we started phantasm yeah, yeah right. and we started uh playing shows and stuff with originals and it was like oh my god here we go again <laughs> this is this is the same thing i can see it coming and and him being the lead singer he didn't like that people would come to, to talk to me mm-hmm. about Metallica. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he didn't really dig that, so that whole band kind of went away, which, I mean, it was pretty good. I mean, we are like in the kind of skate thrash metal, more thrash metal band, you know. I had a lot more fun with that band because I was writing songs mm-hmm. and, you know, the other, in Metallica, it was it was James and Lars and Dave. I just played what they wanted, but in Phantasm, you know, I was writing riffs, I was writing songs, I like, kind of like that, but, you know, just kind of egos and things kind of you know did you ever try and write terms. any
0: songs for Metallica
1: I I did some um, arranging that you know they'd never admit to because but uh, as far as riffs and stuff how are you gonna tell James Hetfield yeah, yeah. I mean see.
0: Same thing happened to Newstead when he joined, you yeah. know, Trujillo now. It's like there's yeah. not a, lot of, not a yeah. lot of riffs being thrown around that aren't James's, right?
1: Right, yeah, I mean, but James is like a riff machine, you yeah. know, yeah, that's what he is, that's right, what he does. Right, right, right. Yeah.
0: What, uh, what songs did you help arrange?
1: Um, I remember um, some of the solos in, um oh man that's phantom yeah phantom lord yeah some of the phantom the um dave would come out of it and it just kind of it kind of when you come out of it and end, it didn't sound right and and then i'd say well james why don't you take and do the next part you know so it kind of flows together so it you know i was doing some of that stuff mm-hmm. but as far as the riffs and stuff, yeah. you know, it was their band. Sure. You know, that I, I, I knew that. hmm But uh, you know, when when we started making Metallica T shirts and stuff, it's like, wow, you know, it's like, hey, I'm in this band. How yeah. cool is that?
0: <laughs> How was it for you like um or what did you think of their rise? Did you see it coming? Did you expect it?
1: No. I I remember being at the Palladium, they played the Palladium and they opened for Armored Saint. It was like nineteen eighty four. I walk in the Palladium. I'm looking at it like, man, this place is huge. I'm like, this is as big as they're gonna get. This is it right here. They're opening for Armored Saint. This is as big as Metallica's gonna ever get. Well, obviously, you know, I was obviously wrong, but <laughs> but uh, I I do remember. And then uh, um, they had come uh, before they came out with uh, Ride the Lightning. Lars called me up. He said he's he said I'm in L. A. And once you hear a song, okay. So he brings over this test pressing, and he puts on "Fade to Black." At First, he said, "Oh, we we're, we're going to do a ballad." I'm like, a "Ballad? Yeah, whatever." Yeah. So he puts on that slow, you know, part of it, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. There's no way this is going to go over." You know, there's no way. But I didn't know it would become so iconic. You know, right. I, I never thought that would ever go over. I mean, all the I mean, all the other songs, you know. We're all heavy, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, creeping death and all that was, you know, that was awesome. But when, when they put on Fade to Black, I was like,
0: "It was such like, a departure." Oh, yeah, what at the are time? you guys doing? You know, and, when when you when you uh, were out of the band, was there, Did you have a good fan base of, of Metallica fans that were wondering what happened to you? Or you...
1: Um, this is way before internet gotcha. and then stuff like that. You know, when Um you're there next day, you're gone. Yeah, it's like n- nobody even really knew. But I mean, people finally figured out. After the internet hit, people started researching the band and like, who's this guy, Ron McGovney? You know, Mm -hmm. who is this? And all of a sudden they start finding me, you know, and, you know, asking me for interviews. And I'm like, how do you know who I am? Oh, found you on the internet. Oh, okay. Maybe (laughs) I'll check that out.
0: Right, right right right. When when uh, would you still hang out with them when they would come through town throughout the 80s and
1: Oh yeah, on the in the 80s they would call me up and say, "Hey, we're we're playing a secret show at the Troubadour, you know, it was before when Jason just joined." Mhm. And um, and they were playing. I remember I drove down I had a a Ford Ranger, 86 Ford Ranger with just a single cab. And uh, I picked up James and Jason and my friend rich was riding with me and i didn't have anywhere for those guys to ride so me and james rode in the front and we put those two in the back and we were riding around hollywood with those guys in the open back of my yeah. pickup truck you know it's yeah. like oh, yeah, that's okay. what we used to do it you can't do that yeah. nowadays we no all the time. no but i mean i kind of felt bad you know i put in the bass player from Dalek in the back of my truck <laughs> while we're driving in the front listening to the music and they're probably freezing their ass off in the back
0: you know? would you think when you found out that cliff had passed away?
1: Um, wow, I, I think I heard it on um KNAC, the uh rock station, the station back then, yeah. yeah. Um, somebody had said that somebody in Metallica had been killed, but they didn't say who, mm. and they left it for hours like that. It was like, oh my god, who is it, you know? And then when they said Cliff, and I heard the details, you know, I couldn't believe that because, um on their 86 tour they played in at long beach arena and i'd been back there backstage and the other guys weren't there but just cliff and cliff and i were sitting there talking and we were eating chinese food together you know and i'm like wow this is pretty cool you know and you know we're just talking me and cliff and and i said well i'm gonna go you know i'll go watch you guys i'll see you guys after and then i remember after the show i went back and i did, didn't never see cliff again and mm. i never knowing that you know yeah I, that would
0: be That'd the be last it. time i ever saw him you know he's a pretty cool guy
1: he was he, yeah. was he was down to earth i mean he he came over to my house down in la and stuff and you know he was just really awesome guy he he was really respectful of me for my tenure in the band that's cool which was really nice i remember um at that Palladium show in 84 I guess it was whenever the right the lightning um I I had a pass but it was just like a, a sticker pass and I wanted to go back in the back and talk to him but they wouldn't let me in and Cliff saw me and he gave me his mm. his laminate and I walked back there and their their uh tour manager tore him up he said why'd you give him the laminate he said he was the first base for Metallica Okay,
0: (laughs) that's cool. Did everyone ever ever talk to you? Ever bitch like a. That feels driving me crazy or anything no, like that. No, no, he never did. No, <laughs> no,
1: I heard some from Jason, but nothing. Oh, did really. you? Well, then, yeah. then again, once again, then nothing. Jason comes
0: in. It's like the third, yeah. Yeah. the third ex-wife sort of thing, right? Yeah,
1: I, ne- I never heard anything from Cliff, but uh what kind yeah, of stuff would Jason. Tell you, Jason. I mean, he you know, he's he would tell me that James is pissed at me. I'm like, what? Well, fucking pissed at me? I don't even see the guy, you know. Mm. But he'd kind of tell me what's going on with the band and stuff, you know, and you know, not not too cool the way he was being treated at that point but you know i I guess uh, i don't know if he really knew that he was kind of in that same position that i was in but i mean i knew that going in Mm -hmm. i don't know that he knew that going in as far as as far as his uh role Mm -hmm. in the band is you know you, you know you're just playing bass right that's that's what you're doing we're writing the music and you're playing
0: which has got to be hard for him, too, because he was, like, the major songwriter in Flotsam and Jetsam. Right, right. But, like you said, you could kind of sit back and say, like, this is what's going to happen, yeah, you yeah, know? Exactly. So what did you do after that, then? Did you end up becoming a motorcycle mechanic? No. Or? I, I
1: um, We uh, we closed our um, business in 1992, and uh, I went to work for the city of Long Beach. So I worked for there for about six years. And then on the side, I did some repos. I repoed cars, had a tow truck, repoed some cars in some bad neighborhoods and you know, with people pulling guns and things. And That's pretty scary. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then uh, moved out to
0: so the north. Repoing is like you got to go take their cars away with Yeah, you. yeah. What would yeah, people yeah. do if they yeah, saw the, you? Yeah, we had
1: a... Yeah, we had... It was in the middle of the night in Watts or Compton, one of those uh, neighborhoods. And, you know, I, I really don't fit in that kind of a neighborhood. You know, you kind of pick me out. But, uh, yeah, this woman pulled a gun, and I ran down to the phone booth at that time, when they had phone booths, mm-hmm. and called the cops, and they came and, you know, took care of it. But, yeah, I, was, I just didn't want that to happen anymore, so I got out of that business. Mm-hmm. And... um so then, uh, I moved out here into North Carolina in 1999. My son Justin and his brother and sister they moved out a year before me, mm-hmm. and I stayed to work a little bit so I can gain some extra money and stuff. And I moved out here permanently in '99.
0: What do you do out here now?
1: I work in a factory. Well, I don't really want to say where, but I got you Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've been working at this factory for 18 years, mm. and I'm kind of Looking I can see the end at retirement, you know, mm. you know in my eyes, you know thinking something I like to do You know whenever I retire, but you no, know, yeah. I mean but throughout the years. It's been pretty cool that that Metallica has um You know included me in in things like, like t- the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame
0: So tell us about that. So What did how, What did they do because obviously you didn't get in the Rock and Roll of Fame, but right?
1: You... right, but uh, they called they said look we're being inducted the rock and roll of Fame. we want you to be part of it you know we want you to be there so i said heck yeah so they flew me out to cleveland they had a party uh the night before at the house of blues i think it was and jimmy page was there <laughs> joe perry was there i was like i told i took james aside i said Dude, you gotta you gotta understand. These are guys that we had up on our walls, and they're standing right here. He's like, "Isn't it crazy? You know, it's yeah. wild." Right, right. You know, I mean, I had this huge Jimmy Page poster in my room when I was, you know, sixteen, and mm-hmm. and there he is standing right there between James and Joe Perry. And I took this picture. James <laughs> is standing in the middle, and Jimmy Page is on one side. Joe Perry's on the other side. That's I'm cool. Like, How awesome is this? And they're you know? all the
0: same level at this point. Yeah, yeah, and,
1: and it's like yeah I, I, I you would have never thought mm-hmm. ever you know did
0: they say anything to you at all like you know like did they there's there did, did you talk to them yeah or it more just like hey ron or is no. it like you know
1: well n- i mean no he'll come up they'll come up to me and well james will tell me look you know i i know you know the things didn't go well you know in the band or it, and stuff but you were a big part of our success and i want you to be there you know and james to this day he pick, he keeps this picture that we went to magic mountain in when we were in high school in 1980 and we went we were at magic mountain and we went to this photo booth and you could pick up a, a uh, cover of a magazine you wanted like sports illustrated or whatever and there was a hit parader i said well put us on hit parader so this there's this picture you can find it on the internet of me and james with this hit parader um background when we were in high school and he he keeps that and he has it right at the metallica um at their headquarters in san francisco and you can see um they have a couch in front of it and they'll do interviews and you can see that picture right <laughs> right there in the background i was like wow well, that's kind that's of a cool, yeah. kind of a thumbs up to the old yeah. days you know
0: and, it's cool that he says that sort of stuff yeah, to keep you involved yeah you
1: know? and, and you know when i saw him in atlanta when you were there and and he said you know we were he's talking about you know 40th anniversary i'm like yeah i said there's no way i would ever want to get on stage with you guys again there's no way i'm never doing that again because i did that on at 30, that, yeah, I at that 30. That yeah that 30th he said whatever you want man just let me know whatever you want you know and he gave James me a hug yeah yeah he said whatever you want and why would
0: you never go on stage no I, that's just
1: not my thing i'm just uh, i i've given that i put that all behind me i will. Absolutely, be there to you know mm-hmm. to raise my fist and be out there with the fans, just like when we were in the pit in the Snake Pit. That's
0: right. We in were in that, the snake in Atlanta. Pit. That's yeah, right. it's like yeah, hell yeah. I had know? that pillowcase, as a matter of fact, yeah. with me because I had just done a podcast with the Avenge guys earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and you know that's where I want to be. That's yeah. that's that's where I want to be. Seeing my friends up there on stage, where they belong. That's not where I belong, but you know it, it's it is cool being. Uh, having a plaque with my name on it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Actually, there's a plaque in there talking about hit the lights and stuff and it has mine and Dave's name on it That's and cool I, it's it's, to say that you guys played on it. it or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's talking about no life to leather or whatever And I was like, well, you know that
0: that's enough for me I don't, I don't need cool. any more than that. What did you think about the Rock and Roll of Fame? Do you think you should have been in there?
1: No, okay. No, 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 no that was never No now neither dave or me should have been and i mean dave should be in the rock and hall hall mm-hmm. of fame but you know with as uh, with megadeth you know as far as metallica not really uh, because you know he didn't really play any any official you know albums right. and stuff but uh dave absolutely deserves sure, to be
0: sure, in sure. there so, tell me about the 30th anniversary because I was there. I saw I saw you play. I that. had no idea that you were there. Yeah, I was there. I went to two of the nights and you were one of them.
1: I didn't see. I didn't see. I saw Randy Johnson, the big unit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, how cool is this?
0: Well, and it was the coolest thing of all time. The, the, the greatest kind of anniversary party where Metallica and I counted, they played 20 songs a night, four nights, and they were all different except for Seek and Destroy. So they played 76 songs mm. in four nights and some that they had never played live before. Yeah. So, how was that? for you what did they say to get you to do it and what was the the process like
1: it was kind of a mix up um James emailed me and he he told me um what songs he wanted me to play on and I'm I'm thinking it was Metal Militia and what other song some other song and then um oh wait a minute Metal Militia Jump in the Fire seeking his joy and some other song but anyway it's probably he, he's
0: gonna be phantom lord or motor yeah, or Mort- four horsemen or whatever uh, it was yeah.
1: yeah but anyway he told me i said well i guess i gotta buy kill em all so i can learn relearn the song he's like no just think of no life to leather so i'm like okay so i'm thinking no life to leather which is the way you played it, right the way i played it and the songs have been changed the songs have added parts oh there there have been songs that but i don't think he even remembers that the songs have been changed sure and then we get up there on a practice to practice and i was like
0: was it the day of the show or was yeah
1: it yeah it was the day of the show <laughs> and i'm like wait a minute you're doing the kill them all he's like i said you guys changed the songs he's like no he didn't i said yes you did you told me no life to leather so anyway, I only ended up playing on two of the songs, which were kind of the same. Even "Seek and Destroy" is different, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh,
0: "Crap!" What was the other one? Was it Metal Militia you played on?
1: Yeah, yeah. um No, "Seek and Destroy" and "Hit the Lights." Okay, gotcha. You know, "Hit the Lights" is basically the same. Yeah seek and destroy had a whole different ending part that we never used and i was like oh shit you know this is gonna suck <laughs> had so, you played at all? no i hadn't played in like 25 years and then i'm practicing from the tape <laughs> yeah. that i had and then they they just go with what they they'd play all the time yeah. I'm yeah like yeah. oh god how
0: much warning did you have like, like a like, weeks before mm-hmm. a month before
1: Oh, you mean to play the song? Like when
0: did they tell you, okay, we're going to be doing this, it's three months from now, or it's...
1: Oh, it was probably, it was in December. Okay. He probably told me in October. Gotcha. Something like that. So I was like, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, and then all of a sudden I find out, oh, crap, this is the wrong version of the song. <laughs> so anyway, I was like, oh, just keep me on the last
0: two, forget it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did you make it through okay, though? Uh,
1: I was, you know, a big Mick, you know, that works yeah. for him. He's yeah. like he's like calm down dude it's okay you know I'm like i'm like i don't know what the hell i'm doing here i'm like I'm, I'm like freaking forrest gump standing up here i mean i'm standing here with this giant band the last time i played with them was in san francisco you know 35 years 30 years ago and you know at a club down the street now they're like the biggest metal band in the world and i'm up here on stage with them and i mean this it's like yeah. that dream that you have
0: yeah. when you you're on stage. You don't know the song. Yeah, you're just like, Yeah, I was like Crap you know? <laughs> Did so. you uh, did, have you ever got a chance to meet Rob Robert? Oh, yeah. yeah
1: Yeah, I met him first time at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and he, dream he was very nice as well? very yeah. nice. Yeah, and I saw him in Atlanta again, and you know every time I've seen them with Rob He's very very cordial very mm-hmm. nice and you know
0: Respectful uh, of the very lineage, very
1: respectful, yeah. you know he he calls me Metallica Mark One. You know, <laughs> so I guess there is a Mark One. You know, if he's in Mark. Whatever they're at yeah, like four, four, I guess. I guess. Would, yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. Do you um actually be Mark five because there was Cliff and Dave in okay. one version too? Okay. Um, when when just a couple more questions. When you go to Atlanta, and did you see Lars there? Did, yeah, because I was like, uh, we went to the that area where we met, kind of the VIP, right? And then you get summoned, right, to go see yeah. Lars. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So did you get your summoning as well? Yeah,
1: they all came through. Yeah, all yeah. of them. I got to see all of them first. Okay. First, James, and then Lars, and then. Kirk and then Robert I think mm-hmm. but yeah they all come through but uh, you know the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was kind of a lot more cool because you know everybody was there all together and at that at that show you know I had a few beers anyway so I was like and I saw Robert standing there and I saw Jason standing there I'm like how about let's get all three of us together that's cool so there's a picture there's a picture of all three of us yes. and so I'm like yeah all the you know the surviving bass players I think I've you know? seen that that's cool yeah. I think
0: I've actually saw it once where somebody photoshopped a picture of Cliff in the same uh, over, size yeah over over, you over guys? us yeah. yeah that's cool
1: yeah that was my idea I so said I grabbed that girl who she was working for Metallica I said can we do this picture and I got those guys and mm-hmm. you know we did that one I thought it was pretty it was cool a great
0: picture of uh phil rudd simon wright and chris slade the three drummers of acdc mm, right. together that's what it reminded me of oh, guys. okay so so what how did when it's all said and done how does it feel for you to know that you played a, a part in the beginning of what could possibly be the biggest band in the world and by far mm. the biggest heavy metal band yeah. in history
1: well like I, well, I said this a little while ago but uh some people have asked dave mustaine I saw somebody ask him, "Do you think you're the Godfather of Thrash?" Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like he finally says, "Yeah, I, you know, basically, I guess I am." You know, kind of thing. Like I said, I'm the Forrest Gump of of Metallica because I was kind of there in <laughs> in history, but I didn't really know it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing on stage with all these you know icons and things, and you're just you're just like. I mean, back then, obviously, you don't know, but you know, you look at it now. It's like you know, how, that's pretty awesome. It's
0: very awesome. Does this almost seem like another life.
1: Yeah, it is a whole yeah. different life. Yeah, it's like a you know, you you have one previous life and then you know your mm-hmm. other life. Yeah. Do
0: you still like have connections with fans? Do you do? You yeah. Re- uh, talk to fans at all, or you just kind of well, just that is what it is. When and- I when
1: I I had Facebook for a, mm-hmm. for a long time, and you know, it just got to be. Too tedious and time-consuming of people asking me for interviews and you know things like that, and so I finally just dropped it. Dropped it. And uh, you know, there's only so much I can say. You know, and and uh, you know, back in the '80s, after that, people wanted to get in band, me to be in their band, just because of my connection sure. with Metallica. And you know, that's not what I wanted to mm. do. You know, I wasn't that wasn't ever my original role. So, have you ever
0: thought about doing any of the conventions or anything like that, like were you signed for fans? I have,
1: and... I have done, I've been invited to a couple of them um, the horror conventions they yeah. put like, uh, yeah so I've, I've done one in Charlotte and then I did one in um where the heck was the other one somewhere in the midwest a lot of people me. that would want
0: to come meet you i think fle- yeah yeah uh, oh yeah make a, some good yeah, cash was, on that
1: yeah there's a lot of lot of people and i had some old flyers that i make copies of and, that's cool and people old band you know, picture yeah. and pictures yeah. you know, people love that stuff so yeah.
0: but you're part of history dude well, you're part of rock and roll history you know
1: I, I guess but you know i just really don't feel like it you know <laughs> i mean yeah i mean but i i can look at it you know as a very good thing because all the bad is all gone you know all that's gone and you know my relationship with the guys in Metallica and even Dave is very good you know and that's the most and, important thing right yeah you yeah. know and I, as we all get older you know we we all mature so you know you, you kind of
0: let all that go and uh as far as the bitterness as far as, yeah, as how you were yeah exited out of the band?
1: Right. You know, the bitterness and and everything. And, you know, I never I never had that feeling. Some people come up to me and say, well, how was it being, you know, you work in a factory and you used to be Metallica. That must suck. I'm like, but I've always had a job. I mean, that's what I did. I mean, I've always had a, I've always been a working man. That's what I've done. That's well, sure. always And talk. the
0: Metallica you were in was, was basically a, a, a bar band. I mean, garage, you know, band. The, the yeah. garage band. You know, the garage band that made it to the next level. But it's not like, right. it's i can see that affecting mustaine more because yeah. he was actually kicked out right, right at the peak of like and you know right. writing songs and being but for you like you said that was never even you knew it was never the role for you right to, to do that exactly so i can see people because people are people and want to you know talk that way but for you it's like it's not like you had the world by the hand and blew it right you know what i mean it's like you were a part of this at a, at a certain point in time and mm-hmm. look at it as a very cool thing yeah
1: yeah, I mean, how many people that are my, I mean, I'll, I'll be 54 here in a couple, few weeks. How many people my age were in a, a garage band when they were a teenager? Lots of them, but how many were in Metallica? <laughs> right. you no,
0: know, yeah. none, you know, yeah. but. So was must hate the fact that you have all your hair, too. Yeah, well. He hates that. Me,
1: <laughs> yeah, I that. Yeah, uh, I told Lars in Atlanta, you know, I said, I was talking to this guy. I said, uh, what were you doing when you were 18? The guy said, well, I was a lifeguard. The other guy said, "Yeah, I hung out at the beach." I said, "Well, I was the bass player for Metallica." <laughs> Cha-ching!
0: And when's that? <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty good summer job. Yeah. Last question for you: What was your favorite song uh, songs to play uh, live with Metallica?
1: Oh, that'd be Whiplash because we—that was the last song that was written when I was in the band. Mm-hmm. And when we came up with that that song, I was just that was awesome, you know. And then we played that in San Francisco and. The people were just going nuts mm-hmm. you know that was just
0: were you a pick player or finger yeah i was
1: player? a i was a pick player because like i said i was a guitar player so i played it the way that james wanted me to play and, and james always played with a pick so he showed me how to play with a pick he played with a pick i played with a pick. Mm-hmm. so you know when i saw jason play i was like you know he's a lot like you know yeah. i was but a lot more technical but you know basically because cliff was in a different yeah. Find well, Rob's that vibe too and Rob too Rob
0: two, two pick players two finger players. Yeah, and, and
1: you know Rob is an you know an awesome you know I mean infectious grooves it's you know, sure, just course. crazy stuff you yeah. know
0: and the fact that he plays anesthesia like yeah. to the T right I'm not sure if Jason ever did that you know yeah. so like that's something that only a few few yeah. people in the world can and when do. we were
1: at in Atlanta and they had up on the screen yeah. they had those pictures of day on the green with Cliff up there playing and I was thinking, I was at Day on the Green. Oh, wow. I was there. I, I drove drove up there and stayed. Actually, I stayed in my truck out in front of their house. Mm-hmm. I drove up there, and they were practicing. And they were practicing in a garage, just right. like we were practicing. Yeah. You could hear them playing all, for whom the bell tolls, all that stuff. It's like, how cool is this? But next day, we went to, you know, saw my Day on the Green. And I saw a cliff up there. I'm like, wow, this is about where I was standing. I was not too far away. Right where he in Atlanta and at that that same show in 1985 Uh And I was standing pretty much in the same spot. It's just kind of weird looking at him that Huge up there playing just like I'm watching him. You know, do
0: do you listen to are you still a Metallica fan? Yeah? Yeah
1: Yeah, Yeah, I like their new album's really good. I I agree.
0: I really like it. What's your favorite like Metallica? uh, a song like what's your favorite as a bass player at least knowing kind of the vibe do you have a favorite cliff song for bass? Or a Jason song or a Robert song, or you just listen to them as, as a band? Um,
1: I like a lot of Jason stuff that's on the 598 EP, mm. you know, the copy stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think, you you know, Crash Course and all that stuff.
0: That's know? where you got a so, chance to show off his stuff, yeah. and you could hear him in the mix, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, I like that, because he was kind of drowned out after that. Mm-hmm. You know, I really like... Uh, I like Jason, too. I mean, he's a nice guy, mm. too. And when we when I was in, uh, in San Francisco at that... 30th anniversary gig he and I were standing up on the balcony and Ozzy was up there playing and he had played with Ozzy and he just hits me in the arm he's like how cool is this I'm like yeah Ozzy <laughs> right there man you know
0: that's cool man those guys yeah. just give you that respect how about yeah. Cliff what was your favorite Cliff song
1: Um, just watching him play Anesthesia I mean you know he'd just go off on his own thing and you know he was just he was in a different realm you know mm. We never really heard anybody like that. How about,
0: how about his playing on, on on Kill 'Em All? Is it pretty much what you were doing, or did he just take it and make it completely his no, own? No he he
1: took it he took it in to a different level, though. You know, I was just I was um, if you li- you can listen to No Life to Leather, then you can listen to right. Kill 'Em All, and you can tell the big difference, you know. But I mean, especially like well, James's voice was way different, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, he just brought a heaviness and a thrashiness to him. Just watching him with that three foot hair, you know, <laughs> yeah. just craziness. Jean yeah. jacket. Yeah, bell jean bottoms. jacket, bell <laughs> bottoms. He just, it's like he walked right out of Leonard Skinner. I mean, that's exactly what he looked like.
0: Right. And that was his vibe, too, yeah. right? For, as, oh, yeah. As a player. Yeah. Yeah. Ron, it's been great talking to you, man. All right, Chris. It's very, very cool. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks to OG Metallica bassist Ron McGovney for sharing such killer stories about Metallica's formation, early days, and first gigs. And if it's live gigs you want to see, Get on board the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager. Sea setting sail October 27th. Still a few cabins left at ChrisJerichoCruise.com Uh you're going to get to see Fozzie Corey Taylor, King, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, uh, The Stir, The Dave Spivak Project, Blizzard of Oz, Shoot to Thrill. All of these great rock and roll bands are all inclusive when you book your cabin along with all the live podcasts, comedy shows, meet and greets, autograph signings and wrestling matches and your food. All you got to pay for is alcohol and gambling. Uh, it's going to be so much fun we do know for sure some of the matches ring of honor versus impact as we have uh, sammy callahan versus marty Skrull kicking it off now uh, the alpha club will be wrestling uh, the bucks of jericho or is it y2 jackson we've got a live talk is jericho with ricky the dragon steamboat another live talk is jericho remembering eddie guerrero with conan and Rey mysterio mick foley is doing his 20 years of hell stand-up show Uh, We also got a live talk as Jericho with the entire Bullet Club. Another live talk as Jericho with Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. We've got The Words of Jericho, my one-man show. I'll be doing all these things for you. I'm actually marrying somebody as well. Uh, And the first round of the Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor tournament has been announced. Jay Lethal versus BJ Whitmer. Christopher Daniels versus Delirious. Marty Skrull versus Rhett Titus. Silas Young versus Flip Gordon. And we got the B-bracket. Mark Briscoe versus Will Ferrara. Adam Page versus Frankie Kazarian. Cheese Berger versus Beer City Bruiser. Jay Briscoe versus Kenny King. Plus, we got the Keep It 100 crew, Conan Disco Inferno, Shane Helms versus Killin' the Town, Don Callis, uh, Paul Lazenby, and an unnamed third. So many other things going on. Brad Williams, Craig Gass, Ron Funches, Sal and Q from the Impractical Jokers. Uh, Colt Cabana, Marty DeRosa doing their Unprofessional Wrestling podcast so much fun so many great things Uh, So Calval will be there Noel Foley will be there the the Cherry Bombs will be there it's going to be the vacation of a lifetime book your cabin now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com come join the fun come make history uh, ChrisJerichoCruise.com and speaking of history coming up on Friday it's Something to Jericho with Bruce Pritchard. that's right Bruce Richard got one of the hottest podcasts in the world today something to wrestle with Bruce Richard well he's joining me here on Talk is Jericho this Friday so stay tuned for that until then in the meantime and in between time stay hard stay hungry peace love and hugs and a big yeah boy such and seek and destroy